If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before we begin, I've got some big news. I have just written my first book, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts and Free Yourself from Anxiety. The book will teach you my easy flex method for more flexible thoughts that will help change your thinking to transform your life. You'll read about my own journey from stress, low self-esteem and negativity and how I was able to turn it around by learning how my mind worked from world leading experts like my podcast guests and understanding what would help my mind work better for me. If you've enjoyed my show, please pre-order the book in the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to read it and start practicing a flexible mindset. Ask yourself what matters to you. If you don't get anywhere with that question, you can look back over your life and identify key moments that have had a significant impact on you. They are likely to be moments that were also challenging and hard and painful, But in that pain is so much knowing. And it's often when you ask yourself, what did I take from that experience? What did I learn? What values have I taken with me as a result of what happened? That's when you're really starting to get to know your fears. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy, and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. Over the next few weeks, I'm interviewing thought leaders, scientists, nutritionists, and experts to share tips and tricks for how we can shed the old and step into the new. I hope you join me on the journey. My guest this week is a fearless leader who has spent 25 years championing women's rights across the world, especially in war-torn areas. Britta Fernanda Schmidt is the executive director of Women for Women, 
an incredible charity I followed for years that works with women in countries facing conflict and development to provide them with tools and learning to empower. Britta is the author of her debut book, Fears to Fierce, a woman's guide to owning her powers. It combines her own inspirational story and the women she's met to help us all connect with our truth, passion and purpose. Do you have a favourite quote you like to return to often? Yes, I do. And I have several favourite quotes. And the one that came to me for our conversation is this one. Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. And the warrior whispers back, I am the storm. I love that. And would you mind explaining why is that a quote you like to return to? I just love it so much. When I first saw it, it touched me right in the middle of my heart. I thought, that is it. I can use that as an anchor when fear comes calling and you think, I'm not strong enough. I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't cope. Yes, you can because you are strength. You have this immense power within you that you don't even know. And, and that is just so beautiful. I just love this. I am the storm. Like, I am the storm. Uh, yeah, that's why I just love it. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? I think the last year has been such an interesting year, shall we say, not labeling it. And there are a couple of lessons that have come to, to that I had to resort to again. And one in particular that I wanted to share with you is you know how the things that come naturally to us we don't appreciate as much as those where we have to make a real effort. And I've always found that so difficult because we have got this productivity imprint where we think the greater the effort, the kind of more we should be rewarded. And actually, I think that does not serve us because often the things that come naturally are your superpower. And you are meant to share that power and to believe in that power. But because we're constantly focusing on the things that we maybe don't do so well, we then actually take away energy from our superpower. And I really have to remind myself of that. And I had to recently just say, Britta, just be. That is enough. Just being. You will exude those powers that are naturally yours is this desire to constantly do, produce more, more, more. You know, that is something that is, a, is an imprint, as it were. You know, it's not really real. And, and so I, I need to remind myself of that because I am very much a doer. And, and sometimes just to be still and focus on what your strengths are is actually the most powerful thing you can do. I absolutely love that. And it reminds me of a conversation my little brother actually um, had with me and my mum, I think it was. And he was saying how sometimes the school system almost encourages us to not play to our strengths because it kind of tells us, oh, well, if you're doing really badly in that subject, we need to spend more time to get that bad subject better. And it's so weird. We're conditioned at this young age to think that we've got to be this um kind of get average at everything rather than why not just focus on that one thing you're really good at and just become excellent at it exactly that's exactly right right so we actually go through a system for like you know 15 years that teaches us like you say to be average and to focus in on the things we don't know and on our weaknesses and you know get better at that 
And then I think this is for me was a defining moment in my career. You get, you know, onto the career ladder and you start to realize that that was all wrong. And that, you know, and that's kind of when strength-based leadership models, you know, get introduced. And you kind of think, uh, what's going on here? Can we have a talk about the first 15 years and maybe change some things? And it's interesting because I was just reading an article about neurodiversity, this fact that, you know, some people, for example, view dyslexia and you're just terrible at numbers. And that can be really troublesome in the workplace if you apply for a creative job, but then they ask you to put a budget together, for example. And as a consequence, it, you know, causes people a lot of stress and anxiety. But I just love your point is to play to your strengths and be proud of your strengths. And as a consequence, when there's things that, you know, maybe aren't your strengths, you're actually proud to say, that's not for me that's not something I'm good at like hand it over to someone else I'm just excellent at this right and also because that actually is so you're encouraging self-awareness you're encouraging knowing what you're naturally good at understanding that if you made a big effort you could get better at it but why would you if there are other people who are naturally good at that and like you say to then go into a job interview for example and say these are my strengths and I'm really good at them. And actually, I'm also really passionate about this, mm. you know, and here are some things that I know, you know, I'm, I'm not so good at. So, you know, it'd be really important to have a team that balances that out. Can you imagine? I mean, that's what I look for when I hire staff. You know, I want to have a self-awareness and that understanding. And, and, you know, and I do think another point for me, Poppy, is that often your strengths also are linked to your passion, and to that that power within you and what ignites you. I really, I really believe that there is that connection. And, and therefore, that when we enhance our strength, we also allow our true power to shine out more. And that's obviously when we're going to have the biggest impact. And I just want to even ask you this further question on this point, because I just think it is such a breakthrough point, to be honest. Um, obviously, you employ so many women and you have probably gone through thousands and thousands of interviews over the years. What is your advice for someone in an interview to, you know, I think sometimes we get so nervous about the interviewer finding that one weakness we're so desperate to hide uh, because we think that that one weakness is going to prevent us from achieving our goals. But what's a way maybe to communicate your strengths and be able to navigate away from these weaknesses? Do you have any kind of tools or tips to how to communicate that the best? I think really important to, as you prepare for an interview, to believe in yourself, like within you, really believe that your strengths are important. And this is kind of what I need to continuously remind myself of, right? Just because it feels natural that you are very communicative, that you're open, that you're, you know, whatever it might be that you are, and doesn't mean that it's not valuable. This is the thing. So you need to really spend some time and say, this is my superpower. You know, the fact that I was born with, you know, I don't have to do a lot of effort to be outgoing and, and, and express my emotions, for example. That is a beautiful thing. So I need to remind myself that is my strength and articulate it. Because the funny thing is, we often don't talk about them because we don't value them just because they come naturally to us. So that would be my first thing. Literally, like do a superwoman stance, remind yourself of your superpowers and talk about it. And then link it to the job, obviously, that you're going for and talk about your passion. I mean, this is my number one. Why do you want that job and why do you want it in that institution, organization, business? 
that's the number one. That's what I look for. Why do you want it? Really make me see that you understand the essence of the organization or, you know, whatever business. Two, help me understand that you really know yourself. Because this is what I look for, the self-awareness. Because when you know what you don't know, come with me because I can help you. I can help you to learn things you don't know. But if you don't know that you don't know them, that's when it's risky, isn't it? You know, everybody is different. But I, that's what I would say, you know, take strength in your strength and don't shy away from saying, I, you know, I don't know that. And this would be a new area for me. But I love learning. I just thrive in an environment, you know, where I can stretch my mind. Gosh, I mean, you've just dropped so many golden nuggets before you've even got into the main meat of this interview. Um, how do you define happiness? Happiness for me is stillness. You know, just now I had 10 minutes between my last meeting and our conversation and I wanted to have some lunch and I, and the sun had just come out. And so I opened the kitchen door and I just had my lunch and I stood just for a minute in the sun with the sun in my face. And I was thinking about the conversation. I was thinking about, you know, what is happiness? And I thought, this is happiness right here, this moment, this moment. And I think happiness and, and joyfulness comes when you stop. And you get out of your head, move into your heart, into this moment, and you take a breath. It's just magic. The simplicity in that definition is really lovely. So as I said, you are the author of this absolutely gem of a book, Fears to Fierce. Why did you choose this title? Because it's quite a tongue twister when you say it lots and lots of times. <laughs> and why did you write this book? This is so funny. I knew I'm German, so I'm not even a native English speaker. And so I literally, I had to ask my daughter to record fears to fierce because then I had to, you know, do my audiobook. And I'm like, Britta, why did you choose that title? Why do you add extra stress in your life? Well, I can tell you why, because I just love the title. When I came up with it about three years ago, when I did my TEDx talk, and I had had this idea, I was going to write a book, and I just had this idea that my title for my TEDx talk was going to be the same title as my book. It's just something that I wanted to do. And I came up with this title, and, and I've just loved it ever since. And I wanted it to become like a hashtag or whatever, like something that you could say in your mind, you know, just remember, fierce to fierce. This is a daily, this is a, can sometimes be an hourly experience, right? Where we feel fear. We have this voice in our head telling us, don't do it. You're going to embarrass yourself. It's ridiculous. Who do you think you are? Da, 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 da. You know that voice? Like mm. We all know that voice. We all know that voice. And then you have this other, it's a voice as well, but it's also like a power, isn't it? It's like it's a presence. It's within you that says, yeah, but you really want this. You really, really feel this. And so this fierce to fierce, it's constantly within you. And, and, and that's why I just thought it kind of says what it is that we experience all the time and obviously I like the idea that it's like that it does sound similar and you have the power within you to choose fierce even when you also feel fear and fierce obviously what I mean by fierce is is that essence within you that, that power that presence that awareness that consciousness that is ignited when you're inspired, is ignited when you witness something that isn't, it's not going through your mind even. It just, it just happens, isn't it? Like when you get goosebumps, you suddenly have a goosebump and you're like, oh, 
okay, well, what's going on here? Why, why, why am I feeling like I could just move mountains now? I could just like conquer the world. That is your fears. You know, that is this immense power we have that we so often put a lid on. Um, and that's why, yeah, I just, I just like it. What do you, what do you think about the title? <laughs> I loved this title. And I also loved how you're rebranding the word fierce. Yeah. Because the way that I grew up, you know, the idea that a woman could be fierce was, you know, deeply unattractive. And actually, we were told to be the opposite, you know, polite, kind of docile in a way, like just amenable and pleasant and sweet and kind. And actually, this idea that you can be fierce, but with no connotation to angry or reactive, but actually how you present the word fierce is driven and inspired by passion, by that force for good, by that thing that wakes you up and just allows you to go that extra mile, even when you feel physically tired or whatever, or even when there appears to be obstacles in the way. It's that kind of fire in your belly. That's exactly why I wanted to use that word. And I remember when I was starting to talk about the fact that this is going to be my book and people would say to me, but you're not fierce. I mean, you're not really aggressive. You're not, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if that's how you interpret fierce, then yeah, no, I'm not fierce. But the way I interpret fierce is exactly as you just described. And it's also this feralness, this untainted by culture and norms and unconditioned. And it's the power of the word. It's such a powerful word, isn't it? And I want us to reclaim that power and make it our own. And, you know, if you want to make it, big and wild and furious absolutely but you can also be quietly fierce it's for you to own and take and I, I guess this is maybe you know my awareness and my consciousness changing as to why you know this word resonated again so much with me is this you know when you think of women and the pain you go through during childbirth that takes a huge power this idea that women are these kind of quiet creatures like submissive creatures it's kind of crazy how we have been conditioned to want to be like that for so many years when actually we've always had this warrior spirit you know that has gone through unbelievable pain to procreate and ensure that our species continues to thrive absolutely I mean I think women are just so immensely powerful and I have had the enormous honor and privilege to meet unbelievable women from all over the world and one thing I mean there's probably several things that link them all together is this phenomenal strength that resides within and allows us to carry so much pain not just the pain that we experience in our own lives but the pains of our sisters of other women that we witness and that have gone before us who have had to overcome you know immense challenges and I think that we don't celebrate that enough and we don't even allow ourselves to recognize it because it is in direct contrast to these expectations, as we say, of being a good girl and demure and quiet and, you know, lovely. And, and actually, by the way, that sounds as if demure and quiet and is negative. It's not. Mm. It's just when that is the only acceptable way of behavior, then it becomes a prison. And that is what I'm trying to free, you know, free us from those limiting beliefs and, and, and labels and allow us to really tap into what is my fears you know who do I want to be what matters to me to me not to what other people might expect or want or because I have no control over that and your book 
really is a guide to unlocking yourself from a prison that we can all be caught in for so many reasons and it's so no one's fault but also what I love that you presented a way out that's exactly what I wanted that was my intention I talk a lot about intention in my book and I set a very strong intention obviously as you can imagine as I started writing the book and that's that's really all I want I just want it's an offering ultimately you have to do the work you have to take yourself by the hand but there's they're hoping that I create some space, some ideas, some kind of cheering you on, you know, as you as you take that journey. When I was reading the book, you know, I thought to myself, you've inspired thousands of women all around the world that I'm sure you've been inspired to be able to be this fearless uh, leader. And so in your lifetime, who helped you become the woman you are today to develop your fierce? Yeah, I think that's such an important question because within it is a, is a clear understanding how important it is to ask for help and to realize that even though you are the one who goes on that journey and you have to do this for yourself, you don't have to do it alone. So this is the difference between lonely and alone, you know, I, and, and that's really important to me. And so I have so many women and also some men who have shaped my life who have given that space to me where they just signaled to me it was okay to explore what my fears actually meant and um, and these were you know women that I might have met in a professional context who I then asked them whether they would be my mentor or maybe a coach I met and I had an immediate connection with and um, and and she will then have hold the space for me and a couple of um, you know women that I mentioned in my book who've really helped me who've really really saw me they saw my fears sometimes before I would see it Mm. and all they did was they held up a mirror and that's actually why I became so interested in in doing coaching on the side because I love nothing more than being that space and holding up that mirror and, and witnessing as another woman sees herself and sees her beautiful power and then unfolds it and literally blossoms you know I mean it's beautiful and um and I always say as I witness another woman's rising she gives me wings and that is this interconnection that we have for each other and so there are a number of women like that but then there have also been women who haven't necessarily directly helped me by giving me advice or holding that space but have inspired me so deeply because of who they are, because I learned about their story. And, and that is something to treasure. I would really say to all your listeners, really think about the people who have had this impact on you. And I invite you to create this, what I've done, a creative boardroom in your heart where you can place these women and can really give them an, an honour seat at, around the table because then you can go back there and you can remind yourself what you've learned from them and that they're always there for you and that you're not alone and the other message that I think is so important is to ask for help ask for help you don't have to do this alone and it's a strength to ask for help I remember when I first went through an exercise and someone asked me, you know, who's really inspired you? And you actually learn so much about yourself because obviously everybody chooses different people. You can't admire someone else's light if you don't have the same light within you. It's such good exercises in the book to help you kind of uncover your fears because, you know, this idea of like finding a purpose can sometimes be very confusing and 
you break that down. Where do you think the first places or what are the sort of questions you can ask yourself to start unlocking that idea of purpose within you? Ask yourself what matters to you. And sometimes that's hard, you know. And so if, if you don't get anywhere with that question, you can look back over your life and identify key moments that have had a significant impact on you. They are likely to be moments that were also challenging and hard. So this is definitely an exercise that you want to do with time and obviously expect to be reliving, you know, memories that were hard and painful. But in that pain is so much knowing. And it's often when you ask yourself, what did I take from that experience? What did I learn? What values have I taken with me as a result of what happened? That's when you're really starting to get to know your fears and what matters to you. And, and I encourage you to write those words down. Just write them. It doesn't have to be neat. Just write whatever comes up with values, you know, right, around solidarity or maybe truth and honesty or or you know, other people caring, helping, whatever. And then and then take a step back and and, and look at those words and and ask yourself, you know, what sort of a legacy do you want to leave? And I know it sounds a bit you know, dark maybe, but I don't think it is. I think this is the idea of like at the end of your life and you you look back and, and, and maybe other people say something about you, you know, Britta was blah, blah, blah. You don't want them to say, oh, Britta was an executive director and she had a <laughs> master's in blah. You know, who cares really? You know, you want, what do you want them to say? And, and that question, ask yourself that and, and write and just see what comes up and then ask yourself, you know, so if, if I now know all of this, you know, what might my purpose be? So in purpose, really what this is, is what matters to you and how do you want to matter, right? So for me, and, and, and you know, you can have loads of different versions and, and, and still change it. I recently, only recently changed it because I started using the word fierce. And so now for me, it's that I want to inspire other women to follow their fears. That's what I want to do. I can do that in so many different roles, like so many different roles as a role of a mother, a role as an executive director in, in, in all sorts of organizations, in all sorts of contexts. So it's, it's a very liberating and a much more holistic way of thinking about yourself rather than constantly, you know, as we so often define ourselves through our roles, don't we, Poppy? You know, it's like, oh, hi, I'm Prashant. I'm the executive director. It's like, no, I'm, I, I am not the executive director. I have the role of executive director right now, but I am Britain. And I am driven by my purpose to help other women follow their fears. That is who I am, you know. And so that's why I'm so passionate about purpose. And it's something that we can all do. It doesn't matter whether you have a job or not, you know, how old you are, because it's about getting to know yourself, putting it in a sentence or two, and then being able to go out in the world and tell people about who you are. Wow, right? So exciting. I want to know who you are. I don't want to know necessarily what job you hold, right? Gosh, doesn't that make conversations so much more interesting when you meet someone who kind of just tells you about them from this kind of unapologetic, this is me leading this meaningful life and whatever that may be. And also there's no barriers to it when, you know, you're not waiting for the job to be able to start fulfilling your purpose. And I think that's what I also really enjoyed about the message of this book. That's exactly right. And you know what happens? Your heart opens, doesn't it? Your heart opens. So you connect. So this is the beautiful thing that the more you connect with yourself, 
the more you're able to connect with others because you are able to say, this is who I am, you know, and you're open and other people are open and suddenly you're creating that space where other people can also ask themselves, you know, what's my fears? What is my purpose? And then they do that. And it's like this ripple effect. It's just like, you know, it's so powerful to allow yourself to really observe the impact what happens when you start telling people about your purpose? Do that because it'll it'll give you you know more and more strength and courage to keep following that path. So you write about how you believe much of the inequality we see is rooted in our inability to be inspired by each other, to connect with each other, and see our own reflections in each other. What do you mean by this? You know how when we define ourselves to fight part of who we are through the roles that we play. I'm the executive director. Oh, well, I'm the assistant. Oh, well, you know, I'm not as good as you. Oh, right. So you're immediately introducing these hierarchies and the hierarchies become the defining force for how you interact. And then, you know, kind of transfer this onto a country level. Well, I'm British. Well, I'm German. Well, the Germans are dirt. Well, British are dirt or ethnicity or race, or gender. So this is what happens is when we define ourselves by just one of the multiple identities and roles that we play, we demarcate. Mm. We focus on what other people are not or what I am not at the same time. Whereas when we get out of our head, because that happens in our head, right? And inspiration is felt everywhere inspiration is felt in the heart at the same time as in the head at the same time as in your gut in your fears and your you're inspired if somebody inspires me i don't think about the fact oh he's a man oh you know when well, no, no no i mean I'm, I'm a woman he's a man so you know you don't you just inspired something inspired you something connected you to that person and i believe that when we speak from our fears from our essence we allow that connection to happen and it is when you look at who inspires you I believe you will see that these are people who are connected to their fears to their essence to their purpose they show a sense of integrity you know what you see is what you hear is what you you know what you perceive and that's what you're connecting to and that's what why I say that when we are inspired we, we connect, we don't evaluate ourselves anymore by these limiting categories that so often invite us to see others as other. And I think this moves us on to, you know, what then is preventing us? What then keeps us stuck, I guess, attached to a hierarchical identity? Like, well, I'm this. And obviously in your, in your book, you handhold the reader to actually break through some of the fears that keep us stuck, that keep us living in authentic life. And you write, you are strong enough not to be liked. Now, this is a tough one because we're so conditioned and hardwired to want to be accepted and to have approval. It's the greatest addiction we will face. How have you managed to pull yourself away from needing the validation of others to be fierce and without needing someone to approve your fears? Yeah, the fear of being disliked is all about we believe that we're not strong enough to, to cope with rejection, with failure, with being disliked. And I really believe it's in our head. It's in our mind. It's the same voice 
that is trying to keep us small, right? So the way I think about fear and that voice is like it's the police of the norms that we've been conditioned to abide by. And that whenever fear comes calling and saying, no, 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 we're going to go, we're going to do great things. You know, fear comes to me like, no, 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 you shouldn't. That's not what, you know, girls do. It's not what women do. This is, you should not, this is going to be, you're not going to be liked. You're not going to be liked because it's the kind of, you know, am I a good girl? Am I liked? These questions, you know, they hold us prisoner and they give away your agency completely because someone else is going to answer whether you are a good girl, you know, based on some kind of measurement that you have no control over in a future that hasn't happened yet. So that is the definition of disempowerment, right? So kind of realizing that these questions, um, you need to own them, you need to change them. You say, you know, what do I want to be? What do I actually want to be a good girl? Because maybe I do, and that's great. And then that's your intention and it all changes. But then you get to decide when you think you're a good girl. But the key is realizing that you are constantly waiting for others to evaluate you. So you're giving away that power. So that's that's something that's really helped me to overcome that fear, to realize that I have no control over what other people think. I just don't. And as much as I would love it, I don't. So that's number one. And then the other one is this really great um, rule that I've come across. Yes. I li- I thought, I read that. I thought, how have I not heard about this rule before? Please, please tell us about this. Right. I mean, it's a, such a brilliant rule because it's so liberating. It's the 20-60-20 rule and it's based on research and basically in any kind of social setting, the, the, the people will be divided into 20-60-20. So 20% will just immediately love you. You know, they will be connected to you. They're like, oh my God, Poppy, you're my new best friend. <sighs> I love you. Great. Then 60%, you know, just haven't really made up their mind yet. They, you know, they need more information. They're just vanilla, vanilla. And then 20% are like, oh, she is so intense. That is just too much. Literally, she's just too, they're just like, has nothing to do with you. Because none, none of the 100% really know you yet. They don't. It's just who they are. So it's much more about who they are than about who you are. If you now spend enormous effort on the 20% to change the you know, 20% who don't like you to kind of make them like you, right? Which is what I used to do. I mean, that was me. Do you know what, Poppy? This goes back to what we said earlier about strengths and weaknesses. So instead of focusing on the people that already love you, And do really great things with them. Like kind of have a party and bring some more of the 60% along with you. No, there you are. Teeth stuck in. Because again, how you know, how's what we train. Focus on people you don't like. You come and make, come, you need to like me. You need to like me. And you're wasting all this energy, all this energy, you know. And that's when I realized that there's nothing to do with me. It's a rule. Great. Okay. Just not going to worry about the 20%. (laughs) It's so liberating. Oh my goodness. So yeah, yeah, 20, 60, 20, just remember. And you can even in specific circumstances where you're stuck at work and you feel like you have this person who just does not like you and it's, you're just not getting anywhere, write the names down, literally allocate all the people in these categories and then make a conscious effort of focusing on the people who are already supporting and just don't worry about it. Just, just leave it. And honestly, it's transformational because all that energy that you've been, you know, kept on going changes and sometimes those 20 percent actually come on board as well because you've just kind of you know you're not giving them any attention and they're like okay well i might as well join them then (laughs) (laughs) 
I really like that because it's so funny how that 20% of people that don't like us, so true, we can spend so much time thinking about that. And then we change ourselves for the minority that, you know, because of our negative bias being just completely blinded by the minority, not majority. Um, So you go on to write, you are strong enough not to be needed. And again, I thought this was such a powerful point because, you know, potentially something that even if we're not that willing to admit it, more than we, we require to be needed, even more than we require to be liked. Because if we're not needed, then who are we? That's so true. That is so true. And I think it goes to the heart of our human desire to matter. The, my biggest fear, Poppy, is that I don't matter. That is my biggest fear. And now that I know that, it's actually liberating because you can then ask yourself, you know, you can go back to your purpose. That's why I'm such a firm believer in purpose because you have defined what it will mean for you to matter. Mm. And you can do it right now. And it's going to be about how you make people feel. It's about the intentions you bring to who you are. So now you know that you matter the, the need to be needed by others becomes lessened. So it does, it does not mean that you don't want to be with others. It does not mean that you don't want to care for others and that it's beautiful when people say to you, you know, you make me so happy. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when you are so attached to the need to be needed as a mother, for example, in my case, that was the, a really hard lesson to learn that I realized I needed to be needed as a mother in a certain way. And as that was shifting, I felt like I was in free fall. Like I was, who, who am I? You know, suddenly I'm not needed in that way anymore. And now I'm no one. And, you know, I think a lot of uh, people go through this, maybe this is with a, you know, with a good friend or something just happens all the time. And that's where you can just take a moment and remember you matter because you have decided that you matter. And and that is the most important realisation. So you write about um, your care toolkit and strategies uh, that help you care for yourself. And I really wanted to dive into this with you because you have for so many years supported so many women going through the unspeakable torture, trauma, and obviously some scenarios I'm sure maybe didn't have obvious answers. How did you maintain your own well-being and not feel emotionally depleted when you were in a role of such tremendous care? That for a long time was very hard for me. I actually did not manage it very well. And it was, you know, when my body started to really show signs of real holding on to stress levels that were not really manageable anymore is when I had to stop and take note and and realize that, you know, just the mind or just your soul or your, your essence in isolation is not what is going to ultimately allow you to function at your highest levels. You know, it is the body and the body is needs to be your friend and, and is your friend and is there for you. And, and actually obviously it showed me so much of what was what I was doing to myself, but I wasn't caring for myself enough. And so I really had to learn the hard way because it is so true that, you know, it goes back to what we said about women being so strong. Yes, we are really strong. And we've also not been taught to look after ourselves, to make time just for us. You know, we're taught that that is selfish. And 
to this day, I still struggle with that a little bit, um, this guilt where you just take time out just for you. But because I know that, I do it even more. And I realize that there are a lot of different practices, you know, those that really restore your body primarily, and then maybe those that are primarily focused on your mind, and then there are those that are focused on your face, which, you know, for me includes listening to podcasts every morning, reading books, just nurturing my inspiration. I just have to do that, just like I need to go for my runs in the morning and do my yoga, just like I have to do my meditation and my quiet, quiet moments. So it is really hard, you know, Poppy, and what is really hard is when you open yourself up because you want to feel what you're really feeling and you want to also feel what others are feeling because it allows you to connect in ways that you can never imagine before. And it's so beautiful, but it also means that there's a lot of pain that I carry around with me that I know isn't my pain per se. And, and that's something that I'm doing a lot of thinking about at the moment, you know, how you can protect yourself maybe from that pain so that it doesn't completely become your pain. You can still have all the empathy, but just not absorb it all because it can be very dark. It can be very sad, very, very sad. And, um, and so that's kind of where I use a lot of meditation now and, and, and kind of visualization where I visualize perhaps, you know, having, you know, like this, I have this cut suit that I put on, which kind of shields me from taking everything in straight into my heart. I can still feel what people are feeling, but I don't make it my own. And I think that's for people who have naturally have a lot of empathy. It's really important. I have a few of my coaching clients actually have a similar uh, tendency to be very empathetic and, and they're really finding it's depleting them. And so I'm working with them on creating these visual ideas of how you can protect yourself, still feel the empathy, but not make that pain your own pain, have these boundaries. And I think that's really important. I mean, you know, that to me is a real superpower in terms of having a purpose, like to do that just in for our close friends and family, even to be able to, for us all, it's such a great, in a way, kind of takeaway skill that maybe everyone, you know, this week who are listening, we can have a kind of conversation about this, but how can we support those close to us and not necessarily take on their their pain into our heart because you know this is from a household level to obviously you know for you you're traveling overseas and you know supporting women in all types of environments but it really kind of affects us all right because we all want to be better friends and family members but sometimes it's difficult yeah that's exactly right and I think what I learned so much about for example if you're with friends or family members experiencing grief and, or have lost loved ones. Now, how do you bring that empathy? But also, how can you hold the space for them to feel their feelings without you taking on those feelings and then being overwhelmed by them and then potentially, you know, being overwhelmed by your own feelings and then not, not being able to help the other person anymore? And that's actually probably what got me into you know, really starting to to practice this because I want to serve better. And actually by serving yourself, you can serve others better. It just always comes back to that. And I know it's so cliche, but it's true. So, you know, it's simple and it's true. Be the change. And you have um, a great chapter in your book about creating your own care toolkit to help you do that. But, you know, just hearing you, I guess, give us permission 
to you know because you are kind of like a professional carer in a way of so of so many people just to hear from someone who professionally supports so many people through so many painful scenarios it's lovely to kind of have that permission even though we should all be giving the permission to ourselves but it's kind of always nice to have someone you know have to have an inspirational uh person like yourself leader like yourself kind of give us permission to say serve yourself before you serve others because you're going to do better at both yes that's exactly right and it's not easy it definitely is not easy but it's so true and you know what also helped me is that there's always someone looking at you People are always, you're not aware of it maybe, but people are looking at you and they're learning from you. They're taking a cue from you. And do you want them to learn that it's okay to completely self-sacrifice, you know, to make your ill, your health the price for other people's well-being? No, you don't. I don't. And so, you know, if I don't, I need to remember that. Yeah, because it's not a badge of honour. Actually, it's weird how maybe in the past it was a bit of a badge of honour to be so stressed or to to care so much that you're, you know, in pain. That's exactly it. And that's what I think we are genuinely addressing now. And I'm excited about that. I think we are turning that around. And now it's a badge of honour to say, you know what, this morning I'm exhausted. I'm going to take the morning off and I'll see you in the afternoon. And say to all, I say to my whole entire team, I kind of feel time to turn around. It's a badge of honor. You you tell me that you're exhausted, that you can't cope with the workload. That is a good thing because now we can have a conversation. Now I can say to you, take the day off. Let half your workload to have you tried meditation. What about the yoga practice that you you started last year and then you've given up on it again? That's what we should do for each other. Yeah, looking after yourself first to make yourself stronger. Where can people find you? I'll put everything in the show notes, but in terms of, you know, your book, coaching, uh, websites, where's the best place to for people to find you and ask further questions? Yeah, I have a website, which is Britta, B-R-I-T-A-F-S, um, .com, or my um, Instagram handle, which is also Britta F-S. And that's Instagram is probably the social media channel where I'm most active, but I'm also on all the other ones. And yeah, I always really love hearing from, from anyone and, 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 you know, seeing whether it resonates, whether you have other experiences. I'm constantly learning. I found this conversation so enjoyable. Uh, Poppy, thank you so much. What a beautiful moment to connect in this way. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.